Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello there, and welcome to the Untouched Film Podcast. Uh, I am Johnny, and this is... Measured. You usually go crazy and wild and kooky, but you can tell he's been travelling, folks, so this one is uh, recorded, <laughs> you know, off in the world. He's, he's doing his thing, and you can tell that he hasn't had loads of sleep because he was just, hello there. It wasn't no voice or anything. And I'm Callum, by the way. Because we're talking about a very serious subject today, although not as serious as last week, admittedly. I, I think, you know, considering last week we talked about genocide and you still managed to do a voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I am being very... I thought I would be like... I actually, when I was thinking about it, I'm going to do a straight one and see what happens. See if you say anything. See. Oh, I will. I, I kind of can't not interrupt anymore. Like, I've made it a thing. I've made it a gimmick now. It's a running joke. So now I have to come up. I, I do try to think of a few things I can say ahead of time. And did I, like, just completely, like, them because it was just not uh, No, not really. Uh, this one I hadn't thought of anything, but I figured I'd just pick on whatever voice you were doing. And because you didn't do a voice, I just... Yeah, you, know, you didn't do the voice. And wow. uh, the voice. And, yeah. Anyway, you, as you rightly said, this is a international edition of uh, the Untitled Film Podcast, and I am reporting from Amman in Jordan today. Um, and it's going to be something a little bit different to what we normally do, which is for a couple of reasons. One, because we have been meaning to do something like this for quite a while, and two, because we didn't get organized enough to organize two films to watch a film <laughs> in the last week yeah have some kind of <laughs> tenuous connection um so here we are um, but this is something we've been discussing we've got two or three of these kind of in the pipeline to do at some point um we have been kind of planning on yeah doing some almost like essay question episodes 
Um, and well, we've yeah, got another we've one had a few that we want to do as well. So this is the first of these. So it's, so it's a bit of an experiment. So let's see how it goes. Bear with us. Um, hopefully, it's be quite short and snappy. And Callum, where if our listeners want to see other short and snappy content from the Untitled Film Podcast in the week, can they go? How do you think for that segue? Well, they can go to <laughs> Untitled Film Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, although we do tend to favour Instagram, it seems. Um, uh, we're also on YouTube. We usually ask questions, but like we said, we didn't get organised in time, so I didn't ask a question ahead of time, knowing that you were about to go off. Um, so no question this week. But again, that does leave for nice just kind of barreling right into the subject matter. So, Johnny, what is the subject matter today? So, so I'm going to poise it in a kind of an essay question. Um, where has Marvel Studios gone wrong? I think that's simple. I think most people who watch action movies, um, you know, if you if you understand action or sci-fi, can, under, can acknowledge, even if not all perfect, that the original Infinity Saga um, was quite a cinematic achievement. You know, there was, episodes, there was bits and pieces that weren't as amazing in it. I'm looking at you, Thor 2. But the overall was a massive achievement um, of really compelling set of movies that I don't think anything can, you know, the closest thing in history probably is it's James Bond, but it was very different. Like the way this is, there's so many interconnecting stories telling a massive universe, and I think managed to do that. But ever since the Infinity Saga has ended, I was just looking through the list. I think there's maybe one good and two half good movies have come out. So something is wrong. And I think today me and Callum are going to have a bit of discussion of why we, what we think is wrong um, and why we think that is and how can they get back on track. So Callum, what do you think is the biggest problem at the moment? So I think there's a bit of a two-pronged issue is that they kicked off this whole MCU back in 2008 with a charismatic light bulb of an actor, a movie star, like Robert Downey Jr. And even a movie star who had had his issues and had been away from the limelight as he had, you can't take the movie star away from an actor in the same way that in 2003, someone like Johnny Depp, who, you know, I, uh, you know, put my hands up, I don't like that much anymore. He still had a movie star thing, even though Johnny Depp's career in the 90s wasn't exactly movie star, it was more quirky indie movie. He still had that thing. And you need an anchor, I think. Um, and the Infinity Saga because it was so long and they tied the actors to such long contracts, like seven, eight picture contracts, they managed to collect a few movie star-esque talents in that first sweep. Some of them were young up-and-coming movie stars like Chris Hemsworth and to a lesser extent, Chris Evans, who'd been around for a bit, Scarlett Johansson, um, you know, Jeremy Renner, you know, all these people, not all of them necessarily are movie movie stars, not Brad Pitt exactly, or none of them are exactly up to Robert Downey Jr. But when collected, you have like an A-list wattage of a group. And so that's problem one, is that when the Infinity Saga ended, a lot of actors realized they were also coming to the end of their seven-picture contracts. And they were knackered. They don't want to do this anymore. Robert Downey Jr. wants to make films like Oppenheimer. He seems to be, you know, uh, rejuvenated by Oppenheimer. You know, Chris Evans, you know, even though he hasn't done anything good, for a while he doesn't want to be you know getting up at four o'clock in the morning taking his steroids oh we're not supposed to say that are we uh in order to get that muscle you know frame so the only one that you got left really is chris hemsworth and to a lesser extent um 
Jeremy Renner's still kicking about, but they were the of the movie stars. Chris they Pratt were, as well. I would argue Chris Pratt. Oh, Chris so, Pratt. Uh, I think, and that's I think that's lazy. why you know spoilers, spoilers for um, Guardians Three. That one of the reasons why I think they managed to keep like at the end. There's a little. Uh, thing that says star lord will return they are so desperately holding on to chris hemsworth chris pratt uh, so, no chris yes chris hemsworth chris pratt mark ruffalo jeremy renner because they know that once they go they've got a few talented actors like you you put them in other things they're really great but they're not movie stars they're good actors but they're not movie stars and carrying films has been a bit of a problem so that's prong number one. Prong number two is that the Infinity Saga was such a big saga, it felt conclusive. I think a lot of people, as far as they're concerned, they they went out of uh, Avengers Endgame. The day had been saved. Tony Stark sa- sacrificed himself heroically to save the day. And they thought, well, that's the Marvel films wrapped up for me. And they have, they've been trying to make them, this multiverse saga seem climactic and huge and massive and they've introduced a big new bad although that's another problem is that they've picked a big new bad that might be a bit problematic and i'm not sure we will probably circle back to that in a minute we'll probably circle back to that (laughs) uh but even at jonathan majors before anything kicked up was never as cool looking as thanos he was never as charismatic he was never as boo hiss of a villain enough and the remaining actors like Brie Larson, good actor in indie movies, like in Short Term 12, fantastic. In Room, deservedly, I think, uh, although I think she's more of a supporting role than a lead role. Uh, I, I'm happy for her to get nominated, if not win. You put her in front of a green screen, instantly goes flat. And this happens to a lot of actors. It's hard to act in front of a green screen. And w- proper movie stars know the deal. They can do it. Like Robert Downey Jr., put him in front of a green screen. He might hate it but he can do it. He knows the business. Brie Larson, uh, Letitia Wright, um, you know, a bunch of the current leads. Put them in an indie movie, brilliant performance. Put them in front of a green screen, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. So lacking a, a talented villain to go boo hiss, lacking a proper movie star to go hooray, the day is saved. They've got a real vacuum in that they're losing, there's there's no peril anymore. Like, i it all feels so airy and weightless. But Johnny, what you take it forward from here? What do you think? So I completely agree with both points you've made there. I do think that they they haven't managed to find, and I don't necessarily think it's just the actors. I also think it's the heroes. I don't think they've managed to find a replacement for Captain America. And I know that they're keeping Captain America, and now um, uh, what was Anthony? Uh, sorry, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. But I was trying to think of his character's name. Oh, Falcon. Falcon is becoming Captain America. But unfortunately, I think that the TV series that was launched in, which is going to come to one of my other problems in a minute, was pretty rubbish. Um, So I think that kind of almost feels like a bit stillborn. Like it just doesn't feel like it's got any momentum behind it. Um, And yeah, losing Iron Man, I think that was for, you know, that was, they, they managed to, I mean, They've scrubbed the original the, the Incredible Hulk, Hulk they did from existence pretty much. So effectively, they had two Iron Man movies before they had any other part of the whole saga going. So losing that is a big hole in the, you know, in the universe. Um, and unfortunately, I think the, the the ones they have left, Thor never had the best hit rate for movies. Let's be honest, you know, the solo True. movies are always a bit inconsistent. Um, and he seems to be better when he's placed in other movies. 
and the and they never quite seem to know what to do with it. Um, and Guardians, I think, again, I think that the third one was pretty conclusive. I feel like it's run its course. Like, it doesn't feel like... And, and they've lost James Gunn. And he was quite a singular voice. Um, and he was one of the few singular voices that, that was allowed to come through in the universe. So, yeah, I, I think that's a major issue. Um, and But I also just think the whole thing is is a little bit run out of steam. I think people are fatigued. There's too much now. So I was just looking at it. So the for those that don't know, they split the original Infinity Saga into three phases. So phase one was Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, scrubbed from existence, uh, Iron Man 2, Thor, uh, Captain America, and then the Avengers. So they brought all them together. And then you had your Iron Man 3, second Thor movie, Captain America, Winter Soldier, <coughs> one of the best, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, introducing a new set of people, and then Age of Ultron, and then Ant-Man was kind of tacked on the end of that. Uh, and then you had phase three, which was a bit bigger, Yet another Captain America Civil War, which again set a lot of things up. Uh, Doctor Strange, so introducing a new quite important character. Guardians 2, kind of did its own thing. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, which is by far the best of the Thors. Uh, Black Panther, then Infinity War Part 1, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Again, which I think got kind of buried. Captain Marvel, which I kind of think got buried, but obviously she did turn up in Endgame. Avengers Endgame and then Spider-Man Far From Home. So already it's kind of building up from going, okay, we're going to have five in this section and we're going to have five in this section and then we're going to have nine or ten in this section. It was 22 movies in total. Already with the multiverse saga, so the first section was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven movies. Then the second section is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven movies. And then they've announced three from phase six. But... We don't really know much what's going on with the big bad. Nothing really seems interconnected. We've had one, two... I want to say two have been complete box office bombs, which is the Eternals... Uh, three, well, uh, of, of the new ones where they're trying to introduce new people, Black Widow was a massive bomb, Eternals was a bomb, Shang-Chi was pretty bombing, although I quite liked it. Um, so I kind of feel like they're not really even introduced... They, they they're meant to be introducing all these new people for it. Um, obviously, again, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was a big one for inducing, um, in, uh, sorry, introducing um, uh, Kang. And again, that just hasn't really worked out for them. So it just feels like there's no momentum. And then when you throw the TV series and things on that, it's just such a huge amount of media being released in such a short amount of time. They're doing three movies a year. It starts to feel like homework, like yeah. uh, in order to uh, understand what's miss- going on. Yeah, and if you kind of miss one, it kind of does yeah. damage to your, your watching of the rest of them. Whereas the initial ones, they were kind of individual movies, and then you get a couple of post-credit scenes, and then the Avengers. And if you hadn't seen Thor: Dark World, oh well, it wasn't the end of the world. You weren't going to completely not understand what was going on on the rest of it. So, yeah, no, that that is a problem. Is that it's all starting to feel like homework now? If you've missed, you know, uh, Miss Marvel, then oh god, you're not going to know who's, you know, who that person is in the Marvels that's coming out later this year because two of the main characters are from the TV shows. And if you miss those TV shows, then you're not going to. Who are these people? And why is Captain Marvel in the bedroom of a, um, you know, young? pakistani american girl what, what's going on here Where, how'd she get here what's going on you're not going to know half of what's going on um i think there's also a problem it's a greater problem in uh across blockbusters generally is i mean well there's this uh cgi issue but that's its own issue and won't get too into that but it does mean that people go away from films 
being less in awe of them like you saw the avengers and go wow they're all together oh my god and new york is crumbling really state-of-the-art cgi and now it just looks like oh they're standing in front of a green screen and none of the lighting matches i saw quite an interesting thing for this and they said that a huge part of it is the fact they haven't got many more people working for marvel studios doing the cgi but now they're doing twice as many movies and also the um, and, and also the TV shows. So the TV shows basically get no CGI time and budget, hence She-Hulk. And the uh, movies, they're, they're losing that like that f- bit of extra where you'd have like twice as many people working 24 hours a day for the f- last three weeks to get everything touched up and working properly. And that's why you end I mean, the first time I really noticed it, there was bits and pieces here and there, but overall, the Marvel CGI was pretty... It was never groundbreaking, but it was pretty you know, solid for a big action movie franchise. But then that fight scene at the end of Black Panther, where it looked like a PS4 rendered graphic. I think that was the first time where a lot of people woke up because that film's really good up until that point. You're really on side of that film. As you know, Afrofuturism, like when has that been done in, in mainstream cinema? And you're really on side of it. And then it kind of all comes down. And mm. there's also a problem... The best Marvel films and the early Marvel films, and this is, again, another problem, is that there is a new uh, Puritan sort of feeling creeping into blockbuster cinema where no sex, please, we're British, but it's also creeping up everywhere. It's not that blockbusters were you know, aimed for the 12A market or the PG-13 market, wherever explicit, but they always hinted at adult relationships. And so too did the early Marvels, like Pepper Potts and... Um, Tony Stark, their relationship was flirtatious and you got the impression that there was an adult sexual relationship going on there. And now, because you know they want, at one point they were so desperate to sell films to China and this market and that market, you don't even get heroes that kiss. Like They're so sexless. They're so beautiful because they've been muscled and they've gone to the gym. But all these films are incredibly dead. Like they're not, you know, all the heroes quip at each other and the quirky but they're not humans they're just ciphers they're, they're not they they don't feel like real people in the world because they don't seem to be interested in exploring adult relationships to any degree so it's funny enough i was re-watching um armageddon and that film you know it's michael bay and it's michael bay bombast bombast but you know the, it's clearly hinted in a 12a way that uh, ben Affleck and Liv Tyler have a sexual relationship, and that's annoying her dad, played by Bruce Willis. You know, right there, you've got this three-pronged, even if it's quite a sexist and regressive version, because you got ups- you upset your dad, oh no, um, version of adult relationships. At least it was taking its audience at least slightly as adults that could understand how human relationships worked. But I think that's the issue. I think that the reason for that is that they need it to allowed to be released slash be successful in all markets to make money exactly because all of these movies cost a quarter of a billion dollars to make which means they then have to make 625 million dollars at the box office if, to break even at a minimum um and they're releasing three of them a year so they're already go, turning around and going okay so say you go most people let's be honest what do they see like five films a year at the cinema that's probably a lot for a lot of people so already you're asking those people to have like over half of the movies they're going to see in the cinema in the year be marvel movies and they need to get every so they need to get every one of these markets in case people don't go and see it so maybe this and this is where we're going to start kind of now coming up with okay we've, we've come up with other problems but to me a solution is okay they're now starting to use more and more auteur 
directors and they're not really allowing them to auteur, should we say, why don't they go, okay, this is the big one every year. We're going to have a big, you know, Spider-Man we know is going to be a success. So Spider-Man can have $250 million and be sexless and made, you know, on a mushing machine because we're going to make money on that one. But why when they do Shang, when, when they do the next Shang-Chi or do something else, go, right, okay, $150 million, auteur director, let's make a martial arts movie, sack off a load of the CGI, um, and then we only got to make $450 million back. And actually, we'll probably make just as much money. And if anything, that's more what people want to see. And you know what? If it can't get released in... Because I don't think Shang-Chi got released in in China anyway, because I think there was some symbol didn't it, they didn't like. Some weird thing annoyed them, and yeah. so they, they blocked it. So that, that, they've lost that market. So let's write, okay, let's, let's cut the budgets and things. And I think this is the problem. It used to always be that every cinema, every, sorry, every studio had one big tentpole movie every summer. And they all seem to be trying to have three every summer now. And there just isn't that much money out there in, in the world of cinema. Like, if you look at the amount of films this year that have bombed, if, I don't think Disney has made money on a single film this year. I can't think of one. No, no, they haven't. And they're, actually, their streaming service is in big trouble as well, uh, even yeah. before the strikes. And this is just too much money. So this is just people spending too much money and spreading the resources too thin. Why not just have, you know, one quality movie a summer and then bring back the mid-budget films to kind of fill the gaps in between? Oh, absolutely. That's where it's going to go, personally, because I just don't see that making three $250 million a year movies is, is a way to work. And I think... This is the problem with Marvel and Kevin Feige, is that they they now they've become accountants. How do we okay? We and, and and like we need this needs to connect into this, and this needs to connect into this, and this needs to connect into this. I would say arguably stage one of Marvel was them trying to see if it worked. Those films cost less money, and they were almost kind of individual films. They'd have been better off from the start of this, going right. We don't quite know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Let's give you know over the next three years 10 movies 150 million dollar budgets we'll have one of the kind of like guardians or spider-mans or what or thors every year so we've got we know we've got a big blockbuster and let's see what sticks then once we've worked out what's what worked then we can start then putting that into a new universe and going from from you know somewhere with it but i think that they they just jumped in they people were like it's that whole thing of like you've read a really good book and the last thing you want is someone waving another book in your face and that's exactly what happened it was just like oh that's finished I, that infinity saga was amazing here you've now got to start off with the kong saga or whatever they're trying to call or kang or whatever it is saga kang or kong no it is a big it, problem um the the ballooning budgets i mean it's not just disney but disney is a big uh example of this and that where nothing is making money big one as well um yeah warner brothers have been and you look at the films that made money this year um you got uh oppenheimer which is a character study with some big flair in the middle of the film yeah for for its kind it was something like 100 million uh barbie which uh served uh, female audiences i think the audience was something like 70 percent female um that had felt underserved by marvel films and now they're reporting that the taylor swift concert movie which is skipping the studios altogether and it's being distributed by amc in america and i'm sure they'll cut deals with other countries when it comes to uh international distribution 
has broke pre-sales record. The only thing that's beat it is second only behind Avengers Endgame. And it's probably going to have a 100 million opening weekend for a concert movie. So, you know, you don't need to do $200 million for everything. And because when you do, everything just feels the same. Everything's world ending. Everything's like, we got to stop the big thing from happening mm-hmm. before the big explosion happens. I mean, a charming movie this year was um, Dungeons and Dragons, which was fun and skippy and, and uh, kinetic. And that's only because they couldn't afford to do, you know, they had, I think, a hundred and twenty or hundred and thirty million dollar budget. And for for that budget, they had a, a showdown that in the end was just a bunch of people throwing magic rocks at people. And it was all the more charming and fun for the fact that it was smaller. And, you know, that film didn't do well, unfortunately. But, you know, take that attitude for, further to uh, new characters, as you said, like Shang-Chi have it be a martial arts film with maybe the CGI dragon at the end. Cool. Fine. But only, you know, hold your budget for the dragon and then the dragon will look good because even though it's less money. I was disappointed by the lack of martial arts considering the cast. I know. I know. I thought it was going to be like a, I mean, considering that Shang-Chi originally was a Bruce Lee ripoff. That's how the character began, Mm -hmm. began life. Uh, You know, that's a perfect opportunity to make a, bruce lee type action movie that then has 10 minutes oh no a big dragon you know you know save your money for that because uh, again going back to armageddon they you know because of the time it was made 98 uh and movies throughout the early 2000s they had the money to do good cgi but they really had to save it for that one moment because the technology wasn't sophisticated enough and it looks so much better that you see flipping cars and real explosions and then you see a big cgi comet and it one complements the other, like like Jurassic Park. But, but also, you know, every Marvel movie, and again, I think this is them trying to fit every quadrant in there, is over two hours long, two hours, 15 minutes, two hours, 20 minutes. And that has a double effect. One, cinemas can't get as many showings in, which isn't so good for them. Mm-hmm. But also, it just costs more money. It costs more money to film something that's longer. It costs more money to do all the post-production, the CGI, the clean-up Although, work. oddly enough, the um, new film, The Marvels, is only going to be a, an hour and 38 minutes. Well, uh, maybe yeah. I'll like it. I, I maybe. Like it. <laughs> but maybe I'll like it. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll feel zippy and fun. Maybe, maybe. Maybe it might be a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Maybe it would be a big surprise. No. Although it is with characters that people don't tend to get on with quite so much. Mm. I wonder if it costs a bit less money because of that as well. I'd have to look up the budget, but um, I, I can certainly take a look. I wonder, I, I kind of see like how long, how much time does it have to like continue to lose money for Disney to go, mm, maybe Kevin Feige's lost control a bit here. And we're just... It seems to me that we're there. in a state where, um, that musicals were in, in the early 60s, where there was still a big musical that would come out every so often. Like mm. uh, you'd get um, sort of um, grittier musicals, um, uh, you know, um, I know, forgot the name of it, the, the Nazi one. <laughs> there was seven and 20, Cabaret. Um, you get like really good ones like that. But musicals by and large in the way that they were being done with Technicolor and, you know, high kicking, you know, all singing or dancing. It was the same with Westerns, just weren't kicking they just weren't doing it but mm. there would be one like a uh, true grits that would come out every so often where people go oh that's the one that's the business that can make money so we're in a case where the downward curve has happened there are still massive hits every so often but the same old shtick isn't doing it it's not 2010 
You can't just wheel out the same kind of like introductory uh you know character arc uh oh my father was killed now i have been bitten by a radioactive potato for people to care anymore it's not 2004 like you can't just keep remaking spider-man as blue beetle found out when it flopped although i thought it was all right yeah i completely agree and again is this a feige problem is it he only is one type of producer he can only make one type of film do we need someone who can come in now and shake it up and you know do something that's maybe quite um uh, not just different but quite um how would i describe it uh trying to do yeah you know try try and make the films feel i think i think they just don't feel organic i think they feel potato cutter and in a world of barbies and oppenheimers i think people want something a bit more now if you're going to coat people since the pandemic people have to really want to go to the cinema people are a lot happier to watch stuff at home and you know i think people most of these films will get watched eventually by people at home but most people don't want to pay for them they don't want to pay for the same old same old like same with the new fast furious i think was the first one that didn't make oodles of money um i think people just don't care about these things anymore so I do think they need to bring some, I think they need to get the budgets down so they don't have such a high bar of success. And I think they need to be a bit more experimental and try and actually get people interested and probably just have less overall content. Because I think, like we said before, um, it was starting to feel very homework-like. Yeah, and I think uh, another problem is nostalgia, nostalgia porn, uh, where you know we've conditioned audiences for so long to like the flash you know, the trailer is basically all just Michael Keaton going, yeah, I'm Batman. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And then there's that horrible scene. So I was talking with a friend, an American friend, and she knows that I love Christopher Reeve. I think he's basically God on Earth, or was, but and, you know, I love his version of Superman. But there's a scene in The Flash when all these worlds collide, and you see all the versions of Batman, Superman, so a, a flash of this and flash of that. And so, how did you feel about the, the Christopher Reeve scene? And I said, I hated it. Because I feel there's something quite sickly about wheeling out dead actors or actors who have gone on to do other things and waving a big paycheck in front of their face and go, Michael Keaton, come back and do Batman. We'll give you $10 million. Where he, you know, the, the guy that played the first Superman that kind of... George Reeve suicide because he yeah. was effectively um, typecast and then, then typecast then into it, yeah. it. And there is something quite queasy about wheeling out these people. They're people, you know. They deserve the respect. Yes, Christopher Reeve played Superman. He also had a, a legacy that went beyond that stem cell research and all, you know, from his injury and other performances. Maybe we should just allow people who are dead to be dead and maybe we should start leaving things in the past and because it, we're going into multiverses now and that's the big attempt to do the next infinity saga because you can jump between different dimensions you can wheel out these other actors from other franchises and go look kids uh, look kids it's batman dad that's not batman oh sure it is um you know that's the simpsons reference i think get that the problem um, is Spider-Man got to do it once, and now it's been done once. Yes. You don't want it fifty times. Exactly. At least with Spider-Man, it's I kind of thought, and I, I also kind of think that Tobey Maguire and um, Andrew Garth have never got to finish playing those roles. They were, they both were expecting at least one more movie, and they never got them. So I kind of feel like it felt like a bit of closure for both of them, and they were both quite keen for it. Whereas I yeah, feel like everyone okay. else does feel like, like Michael Keaton. I just think the money trap got rolled up to him. I don't think he cared that much about doing it. 
No, no, exactly. I mean, he's quite good in that movie. He's I said, I think Michael Keaton's one of those people you could read the dictionary, or who could read the dictionary yes. and I'd enjoy it. Yes, no, exactly. Um, no, there is something quite queasy about it, even with the actors who are alive and willing to do these scenes and are willing to take the paycheck. It's like, maybe you just let them do other things, be mm. actors. You know, he's gone on to be, he's an Oscar nominee. Maybe just leave him alone. Maybe we just leave Michael Keaton alone now. It'd be like if the next Bond film had uh, whoever it is that's going to play Bond. And then suddenly Daniel Craig, Ooh. even though I know his character's dead, he can't, or maybe Pierce Brosnan, for example, just comes along yeah. to pat uh, the new guy on the back and go, oh, I think you got it, kid. Oh, and I'm a, a bit trepidatious about the new Doctor Who that's going to kick off with David Tennant doing three or four episodes before we get into, uh, I forget the, the actor's name, but he was in Barbie recently playing the new Doctor Who. And it, this whole thing is just like, you know, it, we're trying to bait people into watching these films. Look, David Tennant. But the kids will go, who's David Tennant? Who's Michael Keaton? Who's Tobey Maguire? Like, who, who are we making these films for? Are they for children to be awe-inspired by the new set of superheroes? Like Black Panther was so important for young African-American cinema goers. Or do we just want to get the same neck-bearded 40-year-old into the cinema to go, look, kids, it's Michael Keaton. We don't care. Sit down and shut up. It's just all fan service, though, isn't it? These whole it films, they've just become fan service. But the problem is the people that are these big fans are not... The, the, the genius of the first part of the Infinity Saga is normal people went to watch these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they managed to get all the quadrants in uh, to do it. And he, whereas now, the only people that really like... The people that have seen the who's seen the Eternals, like mega geeks, and then most of them just went online and moaned about it. So yeah, exactly. Why not, just, why not just try? They need to stop either making films for the fans or stop making films for the accountants, and just try and make good movies, and then hope that it works. They're I mean, more, I think that's what they did in the in the early days. I think the first Iron yeah. Man, they were like, "Do we just want to make a good superhero movie based on a character that?" I feel like Marvel characters, other than the ones they'd sold off, like Spider Man and Superman and stuff. Superman, um, uh, anyway, <laughs> Spider-Man, <laughs> X-Men, and things weren't that aren't that well known um, in the you know in the in the world, and they 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 were basically left with all the like the secondary heroes, and they were like, can we make this work? And then they got obviously the genius casting that was um, for Tony Stark and for Iron Man that was Robert Downey Jr. and that worked, and I think it, it set up a whole franchise. But I just don't see them. They have none of that left now. They've got none of the magic. People are just fed up with it. They need. They almost need a scorched earth policy. They need to quickly finish off this Kang saga, do a couple more movies, and we haven't even talked about the whole controversy around um, what's oh, where Jonathan Majors. Majors. I mean, yeah. that's the whole, the whole other issue is that the person that's meant to be the big bad they've been setting up in a couple of TV shows and movies, and have named the last part. Uh, you know, after him, you know, the last movie, what's meant to be the last movie in this section after him, is now being done for what sounds like pretty bad domestic battery. And yeah. Marvel are very mums on it all at the minute. They don't, I don't quite, can't know if they're trying to replace him or how, they, how they're going to play this. Um, the minute, it seems like they're just trying to ignore it. It does seem like that, yes. It's also then, a danger about this situation, don't you, where they go, oh, we'll just, we'll, we'll be quiet about it and put it out there and then people just don't go and see it anyway. 
No, exactly. There is a danger about listening to fan service too much because, you know, uh, while opinions on something like The Last Jedi were mixed, at least it tried to do a thing. It, mm. You know, it, uh, swinging for the fence is a dangerous thing, but, you know, it's ambitious. And because of the uh, negative um, fan reaction, like the first five minutes of Rise of Skywalker, they said, you remember all that th stuff that happened in Last Jedi? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Didn't really happen. Shh. It's like, you know, you end up making artless films because you're just trying to appease fans that want to see the thing that they want to see they, they could have still done fan service and made a better movie than that though i think part of the issue again with that was they were trying to whack out a film effectively every year because they did the big yeah. films every two years and then they had a like a secondary film like, like a, a mini one film like that. rogue one or solo so it's like, again they've what they've done is they've burnt the franchise and now the tv series is they've released them too quickly and again, people only people want to watch one maybe Star Wars TV series a year. They don't want to watch two or three, which is what is yeah. getting. I mean, between Boba Fett, Mandalorian series three, and um, Asuke, there's there's not much time. They just no, they just quite. get greedy, and then because they're getting greedy, they're losing money. They'd be far more sensible spreading these things out. Maybe you know what, having an original idea or two in between. Well, those yeah, things. yeah. If you look at one of the most popular things on Disney at the minute, actually things like Only Murders in the Building, which I suspect the cast are quite expensive, but aren't particularly expensive shows to make, one would assume, they seem to be massively successful for them. And that's an original show. I know it's in its third season, but that's an original show. And if you look at all the things that people like, if you've what I've been talking about in the last few years, things like Succession or um, Severance or Ted Lasso, all original shows, People, I think, are just fed up with people regurgitating and re going back to a previous point and remashing the same things over and over again. And that's, again, where they could do with being a bit clean sweepy with, with the Marvel stuff and start cutting off some of the older threads and start bringing some new threads in. And as I say, kind of being a bit more experimental with them and seeing what sticks. And you know what? When you have a, a, a martial arts character, maybe have them doing some martial arts because, you know what, people yeah. quite like martial arts. For more than just one tiny fight scene on a bus <laughs> and that's it. Which is the best scene in the film. Hands down, yeah. Anyway, I think we have told Marvel what they need to do. Yes. And let's see off them ignore us um, and slowly descend into losing the mouse billions of dollars. Kevin Feige, we want our paycheck. Um, <laughs> you know you know where to send it. You, you, yeah, you've I'm got our address. Yeah, we'll as your deputies and we'll, we'll, we'll run. You can do the big films and we'll just run these new ones we're talking about in between. Yeah, we'll we'll take on the B films and we'll make them kind of a good solid hundred million dollar kind of punchy action adventure movies with one CGI scene. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, that is this week's Untitled Film Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this more experimental format. Uh, please tell us your opinions on it on our socials, which are Callum. It's Untitled Film Podcast, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, although you're probably more likely to get us on Instagram than anywhere else. Uh, yeah, just hit us up, send us a message. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks very much, guys. And we will speak to you next week. See you later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.